This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Date Night China explores life and love for better relationships in China. Every week, we hear from different guests and dive into dating, relationships, mental health, and how both expats and Chinese people connect with each other here in China. Join the Date Night community through our podcast and events in Beijing and Shanghai, and catch up on all the latest stories on our official WeChat account. Find our account on WeChat by searching Date Night China. No spaces, no capital letters. You can also join our WeChat group by adding Rachel, me, on WeChat. You can search Rachel Weiss twenty two, R A C H E L W E I S S twenty two. And now for this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Date Night China, episode nineteen. This week. Four friends, Winchy, Diana, Simona, and Eden, created the O Collective to inspire all women to be confident and happy with their intimate selves by recognizing their physical needs and their own definition of pleasure. They believe you don't need to be ashamed or shy to explore your body, and they help provide women with safe and reliable products, a trusted community, and content that offers 100% good vibes only. Their articles, videos, and other content talk about everything from period sex, consent, STIs, and losing your virginity to masturbation, vibrators, BDSM. And kink tests to try with your partner. Ooh! So there's lots of good stuff that the O Collective does, and we're so excited to have you, two of you girls, two of you girl bosses, joining us today. So thank you, Diana and Winchy, for joining us. Hello. Hi guys.、Hello. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. We're so excited as well. I feel like I've been following you guys for a while and seeing a lot of your content on WeChat, and you have a podcast, and you have really awesome products as well. So you are doing so many great things.、Um, and let's just back up a little bit because we've got two of you girls here tonight. So let's start with you, Diana. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how long you've been in China,、um, what are you doing here in China before the O Collective, and then also why is the O Collective important to you? Um, so many questions. <laughs> Let me start with、uh, my. I'm originally from the U.S.、Um, my family is Taiwanese, though, so ta-、uh, my parents immigrated there, and I was born in the U.S.、Um, and then I actually spent a lot of time in Canada、um, before I moved back to Asia. And、uh, then I was in Taiwan for five years, and I've been in Shanghai now for eight. So it's been a long journey here in China, but it's been great.、Um, I originally came here for work, actually. So I used to be、um, in media advertising、um, at a big agency, and then、um, shifted to a sports brand here in China,、um, and then the O Collective. For me personally, it was such a、um, open space to grow myself and bring kind of confidence to myself about. Something that I think many women forget,、um, and we don't prioritize. And ultimately, a lot of these things put together, especially about intimate wellness,、um, can really benefit your life, especially when you're in a big city, stressful environment, carrying the weight of、um, kind of the cultural expectations of an Asian woman, and I think even conservative families with a lot of. Different types of traditional values of what they expect of you. How about you, Winchi? 
So I'm from the Netherlands, same as Diana, also a Chinese background. Um, I've been living in Shanghai for almost six years. Uh, came to Shanghai on a, on a corporate job, actually. I uh, recently left my job and doing the full, uh, the Oak Collective full time. And to me, I think the community is what makes the Oak Collective uh, so great. We have this amazing community of women that really support each other. And it's not only about sexual wellness, but also about sexual health. Uh, as a woman, it can be sometimes very daunting. For example, should I do a pap smear? Where do I do a pap smear? Uh, to which gynecologist should I go? And those are questions that in the past have always been topics that are a little bit difficult to discuss with uh, friends and with people. And I think with this community, uh, that topic has really been opened. Yeah, I think it's great because I think there are so many stigmas, especially for women talking about sex, sexual health, and you can feel this kind of shame or shyness about how to talk to it, about it, where to talk about it. Can you talk to your friends, your family, professionals? What do you do? So it's amazing that you've created this like platform and community for that. Um, and we're going to talk more about the O Collective and what you guys have done, but let's back up a little bit. And can you tell us about your dating experiences, whether it was in China or out of China, but how kind of were your experiences shaping what your life was pre the O Collective? How about you, Diana, start first? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm relatively like an outgoing person in general, but then when it came to dating, I think because of having kind of like more traditional conservative upbringing um, or like cultural values, it, it was a very hard space and everything I learned was through my friends and I feel like that what that's not the, necessarily the best way. There's a lot of like misinformation that gets shared or what is expected of you at certain ages. Um, so it, I didn't feel like it was really easy for me as, as a very social person and outgoing um, in general and being like confident with myself about asking for things that I expected in that. Um, and then when I came to China, it felt like a different vibe. I think everyone it's very transient city. So the expectation of like a long-term relationship doesn't necessarily exist with a lot of the people you do meet here. Um, and there's such a bigger pool of options um, with like digital media becoming such a kind of elevated way of dating. It really changed how I could meet people. And I, it was very, it's very hard because I think when you're online swiping left and right, it's a very like material, like superficial way of looking at things. Cause you're just looking at the visual in the moment. But then when you actually start talking to them, you know, probably out of like the thousands that you're swiping, there's only maybe, maybe 5% that you will talk to. And maybe 1% of that you will actually add on WeChat. And then like, I don't know, 0.0% that you actually meet in person. But then when you do meet them, um, the face-to-face -face chemistry isn't the same. And it feels like actually a bigger toll in terms of how the dating world is for you because you've put in a lot of effort and then you're also spreading yourself so thin. And I think that it changes the what your perspective about things. Um, it's easier to just go onto the app and look for somebody else when it's not really working anymore. And I think that has been like the major shift in the, maybe the last 10 years of experience dating here in China, particularly when before it was like a face-to-face -face through your friends going out um, much more personal. And then you would actually make an effort to make things work um, or, or try much harder because you really believed in that chemistry that you have. 
So it, it's a mm. major shift for sure. Yeah, it's very interesting hearing that because every time we ask this question, we always feel like we get like uh, different answers. Like we've had a previous episode only recently where somebody experienced it to be quite a freeing experience coming to China, having those expectations and that conservative sort of family and upbringing back in their home country and then coming to China, it's kind of like starting again and like nobody knows who you are and you've got this opportunity to just, you know, draw with a blank canvas and just say, right, this is me and this is who I am, uh, you know, romantically, sexually, career-wise with my friends. Uh, so it's interesting hearing a completely different perspective and saying, I didn't find that at all. But we yeah. do have the opposite side of people who say like dating in China is the worst thing ever. Don't yeah. do it. You know, yeah, it is yeah. such a spectrum because everybody has such a different experience. Yeah. 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 It's very funny. Which, how did your dating when you arrived uh, in, in China? Was, was that something similar to Diana or was it uh, uh, completely opposite? Yeah, it's really hard to date in in China. It's uh, especially in Shanghai. No one really arrives in Shanghai to stay for years. Uh, it's pretty transient. People come here for two to three years and then they leave. Uh, they come here to make money and not really to build a life. So sometimes it's quite hard to um, yeah meet someone that is here on the longer term. So I I found dating in Shanghai quite hard actually compared to other people yeah i mean i think that totally makes sense when i was single and dating in china for five years like it, it was hard <laughs> it was really hard and i think for like women's perspective as well it's just yeah, I was gonna say, as, a, as a guy it's like yeah. no I, I don't think it's hard at all but like i think that's because i'm a it's guy like a, it's like amazing right because you have so many <laughs> options and variety to choose from and yeah so much to learn from yeah like local women and foreign women here I think so I think for women it's like a little bit harder right yeah oh for sure for yes. sure you you have it way harder yes and how about now are you both are you in a relationship are you single um I can go first I'm like recently single dude like with the lockdown and everything and visa problems and so yeah, so recently single. So I've actually had great experiences dating as well in China. I don't want to make it sound like it's a complete nightmare because it's not. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, unfortunately, recently single. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. But hope it's for the best and okay. hope things come in your yeah. way. Yeah, COVID can be, um, yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's torn asunder a lot of romantic uh, relationships. You know, COVID's been a real bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Winchy? Single in a relationship? I am currently in a relationship uh, with a Dutch guy. And uh, yeah, we've been in a relationship for two years now. Met in Shanghai during COVID and still together. Wow. Wow. Well, congratulations. COVID couples, that's a thing as well. Yeah, COVID couples. Yeah, we're a couple. Yeah, we're, COVID a co couples. we're a COVID couple. <laughs> yeah. um, so you guys, can you tell us about your own personal journeys then with sexual wellness, your own journey with just kind of discovering um, how to be empowered with your sexual identity, whether by yourself, when talking with friends um, or with your partners. How about when she you start first? Um, I think when I was growing up, sexual wellness did not really exist. So my parents are quite traditional. So it was always, you're gonna get married, you're gonna have babies and that's gonna be your life. Um, so when I was growing up and I, uh, 
yeah, moved to Shanghai. We, uh, I met these girls, the girls from the O Collective. And every weekend we would come together and we would just talk about sex. And it was kind of like sex in the city, Shanghai. <laughs> and it made me and it made the girls realize that having a support system and this little group where you felt really comfortable about sharing and there's no shame uh, to share about uh, what you prefer, what you do with partners, um, yeah, your sexual health. And that was just great. It, it just made it so important to know that there are women out there that do support uh, your sexual wellness, your confidence, and it's okay to like whatever you like. And that's kind of a little bit been my journey into sexual wellness. And that's also what empowers me to have like this supportive community and supportive group of women uh, to really kind of like lead the way. Yeah. How about you, Diana? For me, I think I was uh, pretty exposed to a lot already, like as a, as a teenager, probably like probably much younger. Um, and because I was like not living, I was living separately in like homestay and stuff. So I had a lot of freedom to do what I wanted. Um, so a lot of my friends, because I grew up in, uh, when I was in high school, I was in Canada. So I was growing up in a much op more open space um, and environment. Um, probably like overexposed to things that you shouldn't be at our age um, in high school or middle school. But yeah, I, I feel like a lot of my friends had always been super open about it, but my probably family and parents never spoke of it. Like it was a very, like nobody talked about it. Essentially we weren't like allowed to date or talk about dating and they didn't like, don't ask, don't tell type of situation. Um, so I've always been quite open and like, willing to explore and I think I've always had friends that have been super open to it and that's kind of like a lot of where my really close friends like our connections are not because of just this topic but just how open we could be with each other um so the only thing that kind of like enhanced more with the O Collective for me was um exploring deeper into certain kind of interests of in like the sexual world or the BDSM world. And that was really cool, I think, for us, because probably out of curiosity, I was interested, but it was, I didn't know, we didn't know where to start. And we have met so many people along the way that um, are very into like different types of kinks, different types of things. And that had really helped uh, me personally kind of be more explorative in, in that way. And that's really, you know, that's really a, a great testament to, to some of the, the cultural elements of being in China is just that communities can be so strong here. Right. You know, like, I think it's like yeah. coming here and, and more so than I've experienced anywhere that I've lived, uh, especially outside China, but like communities, you can find an interest, you can find a support group and friends. And from that, look at what everything that you, that you're all doing now, you know, and you've and that was built from from a really established and very strong community. You know, I think it's amazing. Yeah. So let's talk. You guys both come from like a Western background or you grew up in other countries. Right. And then coming to China or having the cultural tie to East, you know, versus West kind of thing. How do you feel that the you know, the female intimate wellness industry is different in China and being here and how you market here, how you talk about things on your platforms here versus for your Western audience or for Western industries in general? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question because 
the Western world is a little bit more open in terms of what you can share, but actually the reality is it's still very censored and there's still a lot of um, kind of shame around it. Um, so we were actually very surprised as well, like going out into the Western world, we were blocked for a lot of things. Um, we could share a little bit more, but um, for advertising, for example, and this is kind of a big thing amongst a lot of the foreign female like empowered brands and um is that we get blocked for so many things our accounts are shut down um you know often um and for example like an ad for viagra can be shown but you know a girl wearing underwear or like a tiny bit of cleavage showing is, is not okay so mm. um that has been a really big learning curve for us in china or like in asia in general it's a there's a little bit um, more we have to be aware of because censorship, of course, is a lot tighter. So we're very careful with like the words we use. Um, we use like a lot of innuendos um, and that type of thing. So that's kind of the biggest difference. I would say from the topic in itself, actually, there is no difference. Like women all over the world have all the same different types of needs. Um, and I would say the Western world of women are also relatively under wraps about this topic still and not comfortable talking about it as openly as I, I think because we've surrounded ourselves with women that are very, very open, but actually a large majority still feel a lot of like shame and there's a lot of taboo around it. So that has been one connecting thing. I think that has been resonated in any of the markets that we've kind of started working on. That is so surprising. You you would mm -hmm. think that the West would be a little bit more open, or I guess I had that idea as well. Just being in China, you're aware of the censorship, you know about certain rules yeah. and what, what you can't do here. But it's interesting that in the West, there still are some rules and stigmas and things that you have to follow about that. Um, how about you, Winshi? Yeah. What do you think? I think in general, a lot of people uh, think in China, because it's still quite traditional that women uh, might not be into sexual wellness, sexual health. But what we really notice is that there is this new generation of women that is independent, that wants to have their own career, and they're really yeah, going after what they want in life. And it's not necessarily getting married anymore at an early stage. But uh, just exploring life and you definitely see that uh, in China once things are picked up it can also go really really fast with trends and that's also what we're seeing with sexual wellness when we first started uh, in Shanghai one and a half years ago at that time a lot of people were still a little bit shocked that we're doing this type of product and we wanted to promote this type of topic and then one year after suddenly all the girls were coming to us and there was this tipping point where, where women said we love what you're doing we love what you're promoting we really really support it and you see that it got picked up really really fast and people's minds also changed really fast and you kind of also see that uh yeah also in, in online presence that people are really uh loving the topic and promoting the topic and to be really honest even when we talk to women in in europe for example Yes, sex toys are available everywhere, but the topic is not really talked about. It's still quite taboo. So I feel like uh, both in, and in China and both in, in Europe, women are still at the stage of uh, getting into normalizing the topic and starting to talk about the topic. I don't think there's a super, super big uh, difference in it between the, the West and here in China. 
That must have been reassuring in a way to, um, you know, to talk to the market and, and start to talk to people and realize there wasn't much of a gap between uh, what you were familiar with, the mindset and that sort of repressed or like that taboo nature and then finding that, oh, it's quite similar here so we can move forward. You didn't have to um, uh, like completely shift your your thinking to think, right, how do we even approach this market? Because like you say, there's a lot of commonalities between you know, people in China and also people like women everywhere else. Yes, it is. Yeah. And in the end, I guess women's or bodies are actually quite similar to each other, no matter uh, what culture we're from, what country we're from. It's all very, very similar to each other. Uh, and it's also the same from a product perspective. And yeah, we also noticed like definitely in Europe, we recently launched uh, our products and the feedback has been uh, really similar to our products girls love it but they're often still a little bit shy uh in in trying in talking about the product promoting the product but now six months later they're also really loving the brand and they love uh, the topic that we're trying to normalize and it's kind of like the same pattern and the same movement that we saw in china also happening in europe so we're really happy about that Oh, wow. Yeah, well done. That's really cool. Yeah. Though. We're actually looking. Um, you can't you can't see this, uh, viewers, but we're actually uh, looking at their backgrounds, their Zoom backgrounds. They have their products in there, and one of them, the the one that we're looking at right now. Do you think it looks like a cute little dinosaur, like a little <laughs> bronchiosaurus, you know, with a long neck? So you know, use your imagination, oh, blue listeners. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Use your imagination, listeners, to imagine what where the long neck goes. What, what kind of <laughs> sex toy that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so many right. places it could go mm. <laughs> exactly mm. Mm. i love on your instagram though you guys are great your your marketing your videos are so good though i love yeah the marketing's great it's very trendy but it makes it very accessible and you guys like do a lot of like shows and and how to review it and like talking about it it's really really cool Thank you. I think this is like the credit that we will give uh, to our corporate experiences is like we've worked on, we've worked on like very international big brands that really care about branding and, and the storytelling of things. And I think that kind of echoes into a lot of the creative that we have and uh, actually the entire box experience of when you get the product to how it feels and you know, every everything has been we put a lot of thought into it because we as consumers also coming from like marketing backgrounds, we feel like that's so important um, to as as a female to open a box and, and just get more excited, but not feel shame from it is is so important. So that's really something that we put a lot of effort into. Oh, wow. I never yeah. really thought about the psychology. Yeah. That, yeah it's like opening like apple products right when you open a apple product like the way that the sticker opens in the plastic and the way you pull it out yeah. and just like that look and feel it's incredibly important for how a consumer experiences that that first look mm. yes and also to add on uh we as women we are always promoting uh you shouldn't be ashamed for using sex toys and we really wanted women to relate to us so we also decided to put our picture with the four of us on the back of the packaging. So when people see the product, they see the bag, they see, hey, these are uh, the girls that are using these products, creating these products. And it's okay to buy this. And it's okay to, yeah, take it home and to not be ashamed about what you're buying. Yeah, you're like putting your face to it. It's very personal and it's human. Like it's not 
something to be shy about. Yeah. I think it's like a nice, the, the ones that have worked the most is like when people meet us because we actually are just the everyday woman, you know, like we're not, we're not like a creepy guy behind the scenes, like trying to like tell other women how to have an orgasm, but you know, we're just, and we're not like crazy kinky girls either. We're not like in this, I don't know, like there's always this assumption in the beginning when people meet us there that we're very promiscuous or we're this certain way or we're like very naughty and things like that. But actually we're just like very normal people that have, you know, normal jobs with normal relationships and face all the same issues that all women face um, in their in their life. Hmm. Well, actually, we can identify with that, actually, because when we have the podcast, you know, we um, uh, we set up and we've got the microphones. Usually when we have guests over, we, you know, have it on the couch. And I think sometimes people like wonder, like, what type of people we are like, is this going to turn into a like an after party afterwards? Or? Because we do interview people like, yeah, the kink scene and BDS. And because we're talking about it a lot, I think there is the, you know, the assumption like, oh, you guys must be into some really kinky things and uh, no shame at all. We yeah. do love and support people that do, you know, but we're just kind of just everyday Maybe people. some people might have been disappointed. It's like, oh, wow, we went, we, yeah. we, went, we, went, we went on the show and they didn't offer to have a foursome. That was, <laughs> nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's, I think that comes part of the territory of talking about stuff like this, right? You know? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I know, like share a lot of like very openly share about different relationships, different experiences and things like that. So I can I can see why people, some people may think that like you guys are a certain way, you know, as well. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we are. <laughs> well, we got to keep we got to keep that yeah. keep lore mystery. of mystery. Keep the mystery. Yeah. I mean, our slogan is like one of our slogans is just like you. But uh, a lot of our products just says just do you literally so yes you know oh, just that's do great. You. whatever like, you guys you yeah, whatever you guys you. are into just do just do it love it uh, so my next question i guess hearing a little bit about how you started this intimate you know support and, and community sharing that was established and and you talked about your marketing and, and media backgrounds and and that sort of process from you know the product to the to the end user experience um you mentioned something earlier, like jokingly, but I want to know if there's any truth behind it. Like, have you ever done a, a community event or uh, had any online discussions where you've had like men like mansplaining like orgasms or or sex toys or like kinks and BDSM? Have you ever had any sort of like difficult community interactions? That's what I'm, I really right. want to know. It could be a man doing something. It could be. Doesn't have to be a man. It have to be a man. Person who kind of looks at your community and just kind of has an interesting take on it because we kind of get a lot of interesting people who try to engage yeah. with us sometimes so I guess we're curious what's your experience been like with some people so we were actually at this market called common rare uh, it's a market in Shanghai where upcoming designers and brands uh, they go there and then people can visit your booth and you can talk about your products and it was our first event so we were for the first time there with the old collective and it's actually really funny to see because it's the first time you really see people uh, seeing your products in real life versus people buying it from the internet. And some people are really enthusiastic about what we're doing. And other people are really, really shocked. They really think, oh my God, these girls are standing there with dildos and 
what are they doing? And uh, it's really, really not okay. And there are also people that look at us and they directly turn around and walk away and they really feel uh, kind of like shocked about it and also very ashamed. There are a lot of people that are very, very ashamed. Um, so yeah, we've really experienced people loving the brand and really hating the brand. Uh, the funny thing is the people that uh, were there at the Common Rare Market for a couple of days, some people were really shocked in the beginning, but then uh, when they were seeing us explaining the product for days and they see other people loving the brand, uh, promoting the brand, they kind of turned around after a couple of days. They felt like, oh, it's actually okay to like this type of product and it's okay to uh, buy this type of product. And the girls are actually really nice. So it's, it's definitely something nice to see that there is a turnaround in the end when people get to know us and uh, learn a bit, little bit more about what we're doing with the O Collective. And maybe Diana can share a little bit more about our online community. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to say like, yes, there, there are a lot of situations. I don't know if it's necessarily a lot of mansplaining because a lot of people who meet us assume that we probably know more than them knowing what we do. Um, but there actually are more men that we meet um, that are actually just curious because they are unaware. Um, and I, we like to tell like our community as well as like, it's not that necessarily men are like ignorant or, you know, trying to be kind of dicks about it. If I can say that um, yeah. on your, on your podcast, but uh, it's more of that because they weren't shared that type of information that it kind of opened like another space for them, especially I think the local men that we meet. Um, because no one is talking about it or they don't really have access to where they can know, learn more about it. And even their um, partners are not that open to share with them their feelings uh, uh, or perspective about this, that they really come to us to learn more. They, they want to know, they want to understand, they want to know where the clit is because no one's ever told them, except for like in porn or whatever, they've seen it. So, and they really are curious to how to use these products Um and a lot of them have been excited, like they, and it's not in, not in a creepy way. They, they're excited to buy it and try it with their partner. Um, and we, we, we love that because we think that it's just a kind of to say that, yeah, not, not all, I think men that are exposed to it are against it or negative towards it or think it's bad. It's really, truly just because they just don't know. And I think the more we openly share about this um, information and, really normalize the topic, then there is no shame in the future for a man to ask a woman about this or a female to share what they feel about it to, to their partners. Um, definitely like the LGBTQ community has been way more open to all of this. So that has been really a great community for us as well. Um, and they've taught us a lot of things as well because our product right now, we only have um, three products. Well, we have like a couples pack and then uh, these two products that you see in, the, in our Zoom backgrounds. But um, they've also shared different ways that they've used with their partners um, when it's it, within that community or that way. And it's been really cool to hear different ways how you can use it. Um, one of my favorite was like uh, it was between two female couples and they told us that you can actually strap on like the one right behind me, this pixie, this one the palm mm -hmm. clitoral one, you can just strap it to your hip or strap it to your knee and use it as that to kind of engage with your partner and 
that was really cool to learn. And then I, you know, took it to my own practice and it was really fun to experience different ways of how to play. I can see Nathan think, yeah, I can see Nathan thinking, he's like, how, how does it work? So how it works <laughs> is you, you put it, for example, on uh, your upper leg and then your partner is riding the leg on the, on the vibrator. Oh. Do I explain this right, Diana? Yeah, yeah. So you like can strap it onto your leg or your thigh and then you can thrust with it or whatever it is. Um, we've also used our products on men as well. So it's not just female. I think there's like a huge misperception um, that it's only for women and it's to replace men. Um, it really isn't. It's supposed to just enhance for you to explore yourself, but enhance your experience with your partner. Um, you can actually use these products on men as well. And we've tried and tested and it's been mostly positive feedback. So yeah, and for I, men to also and just I, be open for it. Yeah. And I think also in our community, one of the things that we hear a lot from uh, the girls in the community is, you know, a vibrator is a men's best friend in the bedroom. It's his wingman in the bedroom. Yeah. Because a lot of men yeah. do feel a little bit <laughs> intimidated by it, but then... We girls always say it's the wingman of the men in the bedroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good wingman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone, someone said the other day they were like, "Why would I be against it if it's helping me and making it more pleasurable for her and for me to see be able to see her experience a different type of pleasure when we use it together?" You know. So I thought that was cool that they were just. They didn't feel intimidated by it, but actually mm. it was funny because our new couples pack actually has a cock ring on it as one of the four in one toys. And he really? was not, he was really? so, yeah, he was so open to like promote um, us using and women using it in, in, in the bedroom with their partners. But then he was like, yeah, I'm not really into the cock ring thing. I, I don't, I don't think I need it. So I just asked him to please try and be open towards it yeah. uh, before he makes that decision. I mean, I think, I mean, that though, I mean, you're touching on like a broader subject that we talk about and we've, we've not really dived into the, it, this season, we've not dived into it, but you know, the ideas of, I guess, like masculinity and, you know, what it means to, you know, uh, to, to sort of give pleasure and receive pleasure and, and man's, the man's role in that. And I think, um, uh, yeah, attitudes uh, hopefully are shifting. Uh, but, you know, the reason why some people may not be that comfortable is, you know, because of that, that perception of what a man should be doing in the bedroom and, and, you know, and, and relying on, on a, on a machine or something like that. But uh, mm -hmm. I mean, w that's probably a whole other podcast, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole other episode, maybe several. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, like, hats off to the guys you're mentioning, though, who are curious, who are opening up, because maybe some guys are on a different journey with that. Like you were mentioning, Nate, maybe mm. some guys aren't aren't there, but the guys that are and are interested in learning, like, I think that's the first step is being curious about it. And they're like, hey, I just want to help her have more pleasure. Like, it's a win win, mm. right? Yeah, what I also wanted to mention is, I think for uh, women, at least in the past, uh, decade or forever actually always is we are not really very confident to share uh, about what we like and I think the reality is uh, that only 75% more than 75% of women they can't really have an orgasm through regular 
penetrative sex. And um, yeah, most women do need stimulation of the clitoris to have an orgasm. So it is actually really handy to use uh, a toy to, to help a man uh, stimulate that during sex. But it is something that a lot of men don't really know. It's also something that, uh, yeah, is not really openly shared. And I think it's also because we women uh, have always been a bit shy to share about that. But we see now that more and more people and couples are also opening up about that. And yeah, that's why we also created this couple set called the Dream Team, because we really felt like we wanted to give the audience something that uh, is explorative. And a lot of couples also ask, as you know, we do want to spice things up in the bedroom, but we have no idea how to start, what to use. There's so many toys uh, already on the market, and sometimes it's a little bit daunting. And what we also hear is not every toy works for every person, which is okay, because everybody is also different, and every body uh, might like different things. So this kit is four different products with uh, a little spinner in the box that's help you uh, choose what type of product to try first. And they're all different. And Ooh. yeah, so they're all game. different yeah. products. Yeah. And there is uh, also a big butt plug in there. So it also says, please not the butt plug on the spinner. Uh, so it's a really, really fun game for people to you said There's a big butt plug. It's not just a butt plug. It's a big butt plug. <laughs> It's it's very intimidating, actually. <laughs> it's a nice butt plug. It's a nice butt plug to try. Uh, we gave it to some people to try out. So far, they said it's the perfect size. Uh, but there are some really, really fun toys in that box. And it is for people to try what they like. So it's a mix of clitoral uh, vibrators, panty vibrators. Uh, there's a butt plug in there. There's a cock ring in there. And to be really honest, um, not everyone likes each toy and that, that's also okay but it is very fun to try out with your partner mm. well it's uh my birthday's coming up in a few months that's... yeah <laughs> hint hint uh, hint hint you know, FYI. <laughs> fyi i don't are know are you ready for the butt plug I'm not I'm not going to tell you which item that when she mentioned sparked my interest but we'll play the game and find we'll, out we'll 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 spin we'll spin the card and and see and see <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And yeah, speaking of your, you know, the dream team, and it's awesome that you're doing individual things for, for whoever wants to use it. And then also for couples, um, is there any other advice you'd give for couples who are wanting to spice things up or approaching using it? Maybe if they've never used any sex toys together? Uh, I think to start before, like before you even buy a sex toy, I think it's really good to communicate with your partner about it because sometimes it can come over as a little bit shocking if you suddenly bring a vibrator or a toy into the bedroom and and the other person is not expecting expecting it and they're like oh my god what's happening um so it's actually good to talk about it before and say hey how would you feel if i would uh bring you know a toy into into the bedroom and to, to be really open-minded, to be really honest, we have a lot of people tell us also, we don't want to use it. I don't want to use it. But for us, we're also like, just try it once. Try it. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, you've tried it and you can, you know, stop. Yeah, stop using it. You know, it's not for everyone to, ta- to use vibrators. Uh, but don't say no from the beginning. Just give it a go and be open-minded and see how the experience is. Yeah, I, I mean mostly agree with wing C. I think it, communication is really key. And that's a lot of what we preach as the O collective is um, everything comes with 
communication. And that's, that's kind of the thing that hinders a lot of relationships actually is kind of being too shy or not open to really say what you feel. Um, and it is very hard to sometimes find that confidence to build it up in yourself, to, to say it out loud. Um, and we've also shared with partners, like if, if you don't feel comfortable saying it out loud or face to face, a really good way is, you know, writing it down, whether it be like text or in a list or a shared note, notepad, a fun thing that we like encourage people to do is um, each to have like a shared maybe notes, and then you can add in all the things that you really wanted to try and do. Um, and it, and you don't have to say it to that person in their face. Um, and then you can just share like, if this is a hard no, then take it off the list. If you're willing to try, then keep it on. And it's just something to like, it's like a bucket list, right? You can check it off. And if you don't feel like you want to do it, you know, three months down the road, you can take it out. And it's a, it's a easier way to start those, those types of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's great advice and especially not to like, just surprise somebody. <laughs> I just had a, I just had an image of kind of like, you know how like a magician might pull out some, like a bouquet of flowers from his wrist but instead of that, it's just like it's just like a dildo or a vibrator. Can you imagine that? In a, yeah, in a bedroom I'm setting? sure that would be horrifying, right? For anyone to be like, ah, <laughs> ta-da! Yeah, exactly. Here, here, here is the butt plug. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do, you want, do you want to see? Do you want to, do you want to see a disappearing act? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm Rick and Dabber. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Please, nobody do that to nobody, you. Nobody, nobody, nobody mix magic and sex. I don't know. Is that a, is that a good it disclaimer for people who are consenting? To and what is it? Close, close hand. Is it close up magic and sex? Maybe, m- maybe wait until you've been on a few dates before you mix um, uh, uh, close up magic and sex. <laughs> that's that's our official line from Day Night Channel. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yes. Yeah. Let's please make sure we're promoting consent. Consent. <laughs> um, in, yes. in every yes, that's very important. Yes. yes. Indeed. Um, so before we wrap up, you guys, uh, are there any other advice or comments that you would give for men or women um about their own sexual empowerment, sexual health and wellness, um, and just kind of how to become yeah, more empowered in themselves on their journey? Yeah, um, I would say like, don't assume what you know. I think that's really um, has been key is we think that we know a lot of these things about men and women and partners and, you know, what are what is normal. Um, But yeah, don't assume and ask questions, be open to asking questions and going back to communication. It's just so important to have that right consent and sharing, you know, what you're really thinking. And it's okay to you know, not be okay with it. Like Wingsy said, a lot of a lot of women that we encounter are like, yeah, this isn't for me. And that's totally fine. Um, we totally encourage for every everybody to to do what works for them. And so yeah, just just do you, you know, pick like always go with what you feel comfortable with, always making sure you ask a lot of questions. Um yeah, have open communication. Yeah, I think it's similar to uh, what Diana mentioned is to really be open-minded and to listen to what others have to say, Uh, but to also know yourself really well, because I also feel if you know yourself, then you also know what your boundaries are, when to say no, when to say yes, uh, what do you like, what do you not like? And if you don't know yourself and you don't know what 
you enjoy, it's very, very hard to set up boundaries. And sometimes you might do things that you regret afterwards. And I do feel like uh, the older you get, the, the more confident you are to say what you like and what you don't like. Um, but yeah, for, for me, that's really important for each person. It's really important to know yourself. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for that. Now, before we, uh, before we go, uh, we will, uh, in the article and when we share the, um, podcast, share links on how to find you. Um, but is there any other ways, anything that you'd like to share about how people can find out about you and, and be in touch with your community and, uh, and take a look at your products? How can people do that? Um, you can uh, check us out on, we're on all social media platforms um, from local to foreign. So we have Instagram, uh, we have a WhatsApp group for like our foreign community. Um, we have a WeChat community group. We have WeChat account. It's all um, at the old collective. Uh, we have a .com. So we have mini program and Taobao space. So you can essentially find us anywhere uh, possible as long as you're searching far enough. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. And yeah, make sure you go. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Thank you.